Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're an early stage startup or still in ideation, then the Launchpan course is designed for you. It's all the basics and more, saving you tons of time and thousands of dollars in launching your growing food, beverage, or small goods business. More details are available at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com what you need to know to grow. Well, this is Steve Clear, and it's my pleasure to have as my guest today, Michael Panera, Jr., who's the president and CEO of the Pretzel Man Bakery. The Pretzel Man Bakery is an artisan pretzel company founded as an extension of Michael's family baking business. Since 1808, many of his family members have been twisting soft pretzels that have been enjoyed by hundreds of thousands of hungry consumers. Several years ago, family decided to create a new pretzel classic, taking the twist and turning it into a line of awesome stuffed pretzel balls. The company can only be known by one name, the moniker his grandfather Albert was known by, The Pretzel Man. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Hey, Stephen. Glad to be here. Thank you for such a great intro. No no problem. So, so you know, it's, it's amazing within the, the, the food businesses and a lot of people I talk to how many kind of family businesses there are uh, where, you know, people stay in it but evolve the business. And frankly, you know, when I think about baking – I think about getting up at 11 o'clock at night to go to work and getting done around five in the morning. Is, is that how baking worked kind of for a while? When I grew up, that's the experience I had with my family members and growing up in this uh, unique situation of having uncles, a grandfather, uh, my great grandfather, my, my father, all being part of the baking industry. And it was always crazy hours. It was my dad was out the door at three in the morning. Uh, and I didn't know why when I was a kid, but as I grew up, I realized <laughs> he's going to the bakery shop. <laughs> right. So yeah, it was it was it was like that for me growing up in in that in, in that world. And 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 that's why you can go get something at six thirty in the morning with your coffees because some guy was baking it at four thirty in the morning earlier. That's that's one hundred percent right. I mean, it's the best. I feel like those uh, those those memories are are very fond to me. Those early mornings. And when I got older, actually attending the bakery shop was another experience where it would be, you know, four o'clock in the morning and a couple of workers would come in with these weird food items I'd never heard of. And it would just be like the best food you ever had in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so growing up and, and, and you're spending time in, in the, the family bakery and stuff, but when you went to school and whatever, yeah. were you planning on becoming a, a pretzel maker or did you have other ideas for life? For, for me, I always was inspired to be somewhere in the food industry, uh, but it got away from me as uh, time went on and I ended up going you know, going to college and I, I just fell into technology, sales and uh, baking and the pretzel business was always something that was in my mind, but it was never like, I'm going to go do this. This is something I'm really going to pursue one day in my life, um, you know, around that, around that time frame, so... And most of us are obviously familiar with twisted, you know, soft pretzels and stuff. So, so tell us a little bit about how did you evolve that idea into the stuffed pretzel ball? 
Yeah. So, so what, what, what happened was, uh, while I was working in technology sales, I, go, I, I relocated to New York City, uh, originally from South Jersey, right outside Philadelphia. Yeah. And uh, during my time in tech sales, we would go out to corporate events, uh, happy hours, things like that. And there's always, there was always finger food around, where, whether it would be chicken fingers or uh, hot wings or mozzarella sticks or you know, uh, zucchini fritters or, or little sliders or anything like that. And I realized that there was never any type of pretzel product. Now, a couple of times we had a jumbo pretzel and somebody would cut it up in little pieces and you'd forget all about it and it was barely touched and most people would say it was a little bit of on the dry side and we never had a pretzel product around. Um, and I started to think about growing up in my uh, environment uh, with these delicious pretzels and, and just loving as a snack. And I, I thought to myself, we need to create, I need to create some sort of bite-sized pretzel that's to the modern era, a little bit more than just a little, you know, a little bite, a little bit more filling where you can have one or two of them and feel pretty good with a drink. Right. Um, and I started to experiment with all dip- different shapes and sizes and, and what like that, that were more bite sized though. Everything was bite sized, different shapes. Um, and for some reason, I don't know why, I made a ball one time and a few of my friends were like, whoa, we love the size. It's like perfect. I had one or two of them and I feel great. What if you put something inside of it? And we, I was like, okay, let me throw some just basic you know, cheese in there. That's kind of how it all started where <laughs> I started putting cheese in different fillings and we experiment. I, I had one point we had like 10 or 10 or 12 skews uh, ranging from savory to sweet. Right. Um, and then people without my, you know, without me trying to, you know, get them to do this, I had family members asking me to take them to a bowling tournament or to, uh, oh, we're having a, a luncheon at the, at the office. Can we come by and pick up some pretzel balls, you know, filled with XYZ filling, uh, would love to have them at, at, at this event. Um, and I literally was like, all right, cool. No problem. So I started making them for, for friends and family. It's kind of how it all happened. people would just be like, where are you? Where are these coming from? Um, that's kind of how it evolved kind of quickly in that, in that respect of just doing a little R and D and getting some feedback and rolling with it. <laughs> so, so, so currently in terms of flavors, you've got plain, right? Which, and then cheddar cheese and jalapeno cheddar. Is that yeah. how it goes? Great. Yeah, we have, we, we currently have three skews. Um, and we, like I said, we had at one point like 10 or 12 SKUs and we, we, we pulled it back to just three of the favorite SKUs, uh, for now, uh, we're still, you know, very much in that startup phase of really getting things going. And we plan to introduce, uh, a sweet, sweet filling, uh, flavors and a couple other savory, uh, in the, in this, in 2020. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, awesome. but yeah, we, we pulled it back to these three favorite Flavors one, you had a jalapeno cheddar, which was uh, really is great with going out to. We sell a lot to bars and restaurants and hotels and, and things of that nature where people are uh, drinking beer or drinking some sort of drink. Where uh, a jalapeno cheddar just is that nice little kick if you like something spicy. It makes you want to have another beer. It's, it's really great. And then for those that aren't into very much of a spicy kind of flavor profile. The cheddar cheese, this is delicious. It's our own custom flavoring um, that we came up with over the years uh, that we work with a, uh, a partner cheese manufacturer that is to our specifications. There's no other cheddar cheese. It's like that. We, we really created our own little 
uh, uh, flavor profile there. And then our plain uh, is just for somebody who doesn't want something where they want to be a little bit more creative of their own, uh, where they're making slider, they make a slider or they just use uh, a tuna salad inside of them in the hotel industry, ah, uh, okay. little canopies, little mini sandwiches. So they kind of have taken on another little world of their own. Um, and, and that's kind of where we fell into those three skews. Uh, starting out, and and so Michael, from uh, from business standpoint, um, the yeah. the product line is is uh, fully baked and frozen, right, and shipped out. Um, and obviously, food service is you know is is your area. Did you ch- choose to do food service from the beginning, or had you looked at you know possibly doing pretzel shops or selling to coffee shops or whatever with with either a fresh a fresh line or in retail frozen? Yeah, that's a really great question, Stephen. So uh, it was a strategic decision to stay in food service. Um, the reason being, uh, it's basically how I grew up. Like we we were selling, my family's pretzel company was selling fresh Philadelphia style pretzels uh, to um, you know the street corners of Philadelphia. Basically, if you could think of that, where the sure. people would comment. Have these that yeah so that's it's kind of where I thought to go and when I started to test this idea it was two bars and restaurants and it kind of just take took on a world of its own and we were like let's stick to food service um, it's an interesting play in, in the market where uh, there's not that many options for a pretzel product um, and also we would like to go into retail eventually um, but the idea of of uh, the, the sports bar chains and things like that just really uh, created its own little uh, niche for us in the, in the Northeast area. So uh, we stuffed the food service and, um, you know, we will go to retail eventually, I think, but for now food service is just the right idea for us. Um, being a startup too, it was a little bit easier with packaging and, <laughs> oh, um, yes. and that's a whole, it's a whole nother beast, you know, tried to go down that road and it's, it's a whole nother world for for us, and for now we have a, a simple a simple uh, box with our logo on it, and uh, comes straight to our uh, our customers with instructions and pretzel salt, and it's it's a really simple process for us. It took took a while to really develop that, but yeah. Sticking to food services was really our, our game plan. From and the, and from I've beginning. I've talked to a couple of people and and had as guests on the podcast who uh, started their started their foods uh, even you know like in their kitchen and they were in farmers markets. But then they started selling in food service usually through a connection that just happened somewhere or or the 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 purveyor the purchasing agent came to the farmers market and saw their stuff. But one of them told me that it was it was great because she had good cash flow from day one. She was right. She was making to order. Um, she wasn't waiting for a distributor to come pick the stuff up and you know put it somewhere in a store and hope hope it'll sell. Um, and it really made you know for her a couple of years of intense building, and then able to p- kind of put her toe in the water in retail. Um, but not have to worry about whether or not her product costs were being covered that whole time. So that makes some real sense. Yeah, it really made sense in the, in the very, very beginning, exactly for that reason we would make, uh, since our product is fully baked and frozen, we would make you know enough 
as we were as we were growing, we would just make enough for that week, and we would have we would just be running on it. And I'll tell you right now, there was a couple of times where uh, we had orders come through, and we were quote unquote sold out, which is not good to be you know <laughs> being a frozen product. But we were just trying to figure it out, you know. Um, and we weren't making enough, you know. We were, uh, at one point, we were doing like we could do when we first started like we could do like only about 900 to a thousand units in a shift because it was all manual and it was five workers oh we were making oh it was crazy the first the first uh year and then we moved over into a co-packing situation that totally changed that uh cut our costs completely down um and the best thing for food service for me and, you know, for any other uh, food startups that, that are out there, what's great is that you had immediate feedback from consumers where I, I don't uh. know the retail industry as well. And maybe you can you can help me on here. But it was great to sell my product to a really cool uh, sports bar that was also run by, you know, a husband and wife or, or, or just a couple of partners and to bring them in there and be like, hey, we need another order. Hey, we need another order. Hey, by the way, we're adding this to our uh, our menu now. Um, you know, we'll take you know we'll take X Y Z weekly. You know, watch that develop uh, pretty quickly to know like, hey, this works. You know, it's, uh, people are enjoying our product, and um, it, was, it was it was a little bit quicker satisfaction where you know, I was worried about packaging uh do we need to change this or how they're packed out or anything like that we're kind of yeah. a little bit more flexible there yeah and I, I think you have you kind of have the advantage of it's almost like having one of the world's largest f- focus groups um right the, the product goes yeah. out there and um you know they're they're at the at the bar they're serving and whatever and people are either asking for more right uh or they're saying oh my god this stuff is i can't stand it you get that feedback from the owner like right away or it's like no, oh, yeah. this oh, stuff yeah. is good. Or it isn't good. Yeah, and, if there's a problem, you got it right away because customers are eating them in there. The, the owner is most likely in the at the at the at the restaurant at the moment that they're eating the product. So it's right. You know, it's not like they're going through or pick it up and walk away. So I think it's actually a really cool way. Uh, if anyone's out there, you know, developing a product that could fit into the food service world to to really see if their product is. You know where they have to make adjustments. I mean, we made—I made adjustments on the fly to our uh, production and our flavor profiles. You know, immediately. Right. Of course. I mean, after that. I didn't feed back out. Too spicy, not spicy enough. Um, you know, where that goes. Uh, oh my God, that was a great one. The, the spicy profile was the most fun to figure out because it was—it was either too spicy. And, you know, or was it not enough cake? But I think we have it. We, we knocked that out of the park, uh, like about a, uh, maybe a year and a half ago with how we got everything down. Um, so I think it's just enough spice where it's, uh, if you like jalapenos, um, you're, you're going to be happy to eat more. And if you're not, if you're on the borderline, you're not going to be like, oh, I can only have one of those. You're going to be like, okay, this is good enough for me, you know? <laughs> so, so Mike, going back real quick to, Manually making a pretzel ball, I'm trying to imagine, you know, doing that. Whatever. But eventually you were able to find a co-packer or machinery, at least, that does that. So does it, like, make the ball first and then do a little injection thing? Or does it start with the cheese and the little pepper and put pretzel around it? Yeah, so we have more of, like, a pr- proprietary model how we do it. But there's a there's machinery that can help us uh, a 
obtain our product where the filling and the dough are able to, uh, you know, remove that manual labor of somebody taking a piece of dough yeah. and a piece of cheese sticking in it there. And it took a while to find the best machinery and it found, and it took a while to find the rest part the, the best partnership for that. Sure. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's, there's definitely machinery to make things way more efficient for our product line. Uh, and right now I think we have the best, uh, of that. Um, our production capabilities are awesome and, um, feel really good about, that. um, yeah doing that and it's amazing to watch our production go in uh, go 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 into a production line because uh like i said at one point in the beginning it was me and three friends and we were trying to put chocolate chips into a pretzel ball right into a pretzel and make it into a ball yep. and pray that the, the chocolate was still in there uh for example we we're making sweeter products and now to see it you know just go down in the line it's it's, it's beautiful so with with the family and sort of a holding up family tradition and stuff now uh your your logo is actually uh grandfather albert right oh yeah so i was inspired my grandfather is one of the biggest inspirations in my life uh he always had my back he always was trying to make me a better person and to think bigger and he was a little hard on me and my fellow cousins of just wanting to really be, you know, a good person in the world. And he was such a hardworking man. He uh, did everything he could. I mean, our, uh, the, the machinery at the bakery shop that I grew up going to his bakery shop, he actually uh, built the oven where he was a, uh-huh. a, a welder. Um, so he was working at a welding shop part time. And while he was doing his pretzel thing this years ago in the, the 70s or you know mid 70s i guess yep. um and there's actually a video on youtube of my grandfather <laughs> and my dad and two of our uh, two of my uncles putting this oven together and then there's another video of these four guys uh my family twisting pretzels um and it's uh, it's it's incredible to watch and he, he just inspired me so much um, and when I decided to launch my company, it was actually out of a time where we, we had lost him. He was almost 90 years old. Um, and somebody told a story. So uh, the story went like this. Um, the one person, he worked at the funeral home, local funeral home in South Jersey. Um, and he came over to the family house and he t- starts telling us the story where um, he had been dropped off to his uh, grammar school too early and it was really cold. Uh, but by the time he realized when he was walking up to his school that it was so early and he realized that the door was locked, it was too late. His parents had gone. So he was stuck outside for maybe 15, 20 minutes, maybe until somebody showed up, but he was sitting there in the cold and all of a sudden this truck drives up and a man appears and he has a key to go inside because it was my grandfather. He was like, I was saved by the pretzel man who was coming to do his morning <laughs> deliveries. And he let, him, let the kid into the school. The kid was warm and he got to sit with, you know, I'm sure my grandfather gave him a pretzel and, sure. and what about his life. And he was like, I'll never forget being saved that cold, cold morning by the pretzel man. And that's what he said. I'll never forget being saved by the pretzel man. And I <laughs> sat there and I was like, oh my God. That's what I'm going. I start researching online. If somebody else called the pretzel man, this can't be like somebody else has to be out there trying to make their brand around pretzels and, you know, being the pretzel guy or something like that. I couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. 
so that was part of the decision when I was going through this, like, I guess, transformation to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and it was like, boom, I knew right away. And I always had the vision for our logo where I was like, I want it to be something where people can relate. It's almost like it's silly maybe to say, but like KFC and like these old classic logos that I grew up on. I was like, I want to grow up, build something like that. And the picture there is actually based off of a picture where he is, my grandfather is standing in front of the oven that he built. Um, and, and our artist that uh-huh. created our logo based it off of that. So, uh, you know, putting it all together, um, that's kind of how that all evolved. And, and we should mention, since we're, we're audio, not video, if people want to take a look at that, what's the website, Michael? Oh, yeah. Oh, so for our website, pretzelman, pretzelmanbakery.com. Um, is our website, um, and uh, all, you can check out our Instagram at Pretzel Man Bakery or Facebook at Pretzel Man Bakery. Um, planning on getting videos edited so people can see these videos that I'm talking about of, yeah. of the family, uh, but they're just incredible. And um, but for, for but you guys can definitely check out that content. And on our website, I believe uh, towards the bottom about our. Our story is a whole section around Albert the Pretzel Man, and the picture that's sitting right there, I think, on our on our homepage, is the picture our logo is based off of. Yes, and I, I have to tell the audience that uh, oft times in my uh, my classes for sales communication, I use Michael's sell sheet that he has because I think it's really one of the best ones out there. Very concise and very cool. Uh, but it, I do, I, I show it, and it's like okay. Uh, here's what you need, guys. You need pretty pictures of the food. You need some call-outs. Uh, you need the logo prominent. You got to have your nutritionals. You got to have right all the other stuff. And uh, but I do because yeah. it, it's very it's very well done. And uh, the the website website Thank as you. well. Um, so Thank you. you know, one of the things. So you, you you have the family background. You have the business. You get the idea. You've got a product now. Um, what were some of the challenges in terms of going from tech sales? Did you, did you start part-time? Were you able to get funding? How, how'd that all work? So, um, I left my technology job, which is, I, 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 I quit my technology job. Um, and I had no, I just needed a break. I was working a lot. I was living in, I was in New York city. It was just, a lot of hours, working a ton, um, and uh, at the time I was, I think, 27, and I just decided I, I didn't have any major commitments going on in my life, and I decided to leave and and, and go for a little bit of a travel, uh, a little bit of a, a little stint traveling around. Sure. Yeah. Um, and during that time is when I made all these decisions, um, and then coming back to launch. Um, I you know started messing around with the R and D, and some of the people that I ended up giving the product to were just they. I, I just have a great support system, and <laughs> friends and family were were down to invest. But I wanted it to be uh, legit. I didn't want them to just be like, "Oh, Mike, here's here's money for you to do your thing. Like, good luck." I gave you know I wanted them to be part of this company, so I you know formed created the business. Uh, gave equity out to very close family members that believed in me, uh, not only the product and the brand, but I believe that they really believed in me, uh, which is really cool. Um, but the challenges were getting into production. I mean, I grew up in the food industry, but I didn't grow up in it, right? Like I, 
Yeah. I wasn't the guy on the, I was on the production force a few times with my, with my uncles and things like that, but I wasn't learning how to do anything. And I did a crash course on uh, baking, uh, using uh, the internet and whatnot like that. And that was probably one of the bigger challenges was just, just being relentless and, um, and just, always be willing to like, I'm going to fail, like making these products for a while, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I did, I just kept going. I'd make a bachelor's band. I'd go, do it again. I don't know what was in me at that time. Um, I just had a passion and, and, a, and a drive and a, and a dream there that I was, I'm, I'm going for it no matter what. Um, and you know, I, I was lucky cause there's another part of the story that we haven't discussed here. And I think that's how we actually connected was, uh, as I was going along with this, uh, and I started to look into a co-packer since we couldn't keep up a production. Right. I came across somebody else's path who became a mentor yep. for a while and then became my business partner. His name is Ricardo Cordero of Ricardo right. Food Group. And we had an immediate connection when we met. And he has he is a, a chef by trade, rad operations. He, he, he does a lot. He's an incredible source of knowledge of of food and helping startups and helping large companies, medium-sized companies. He's, he, he, he was the backbone of me taking it from these challenging parts that I'm talking about and clearing the air. I mean, you mentioned the sell sheet. Yep. The sell sheet was our idea together marketing wise, but the information and things that are on there, the precision of like where things are and what to actually put um, on that sell sheet was me and Ricardo and Ricardo really being adamant about, we got to simplify these things. Not everyone <laughs> does it this way. We're going to do it. We're going to do it our way. And he, he was the, I would say turning block for me going from, Hey, we're a startup having fun to no, this is serious. Um, you know, um, so, uh, I think it's all about when you're getting things going and you're out of a different industry, Yep. networking and figuring out oh, how it works because you know we all have different backgrounds so. totally and your ricardo did that yes and that's how we that's how we got together and it's um it's amazing that there's that kind of uh, you know it, it i always like to say it's a big world but the circle is pretty small and, and even yeah. in even in the food industry i was you know was talking with somebody that well actually they were a guest on a podcast we were talking after we were done recording and they happened to mention something about it was a packaging issue and i was like well I know this guy who's been working on that thing for two years and I think he's got it solved. And I can, can I talk to, well, sure. I'll put you guys together tomorrow. I don't know if anything's going to happen, but you can talk to a guy who's working on the problem you're trying to solve easy, easy connection. And you know, uh, like to do it. And also Michael, you join a club. I, there's, there's sort of two clubs of people that I have and you join the club of X tech people. So it's escape from tech. Yeah. There are so many, and I know, I know you've listened to a couple of podcasts. There are so many people. The guy goes, "Yeah, I got, I got out of college, and uh, I was, I was selling, you know, stuff to auto parts stores, you know, software." And I'm going, "Okay, so," and I got this inspiration, and it's like, "Good." And then there's the other part that I'll call that they're they're more organic in food, in that they worked in the food industry, or they're chefs, or they worked in commercial food. And they had this idea and they perfected this product. And it's like, you know, I'm going to take this out. It's my mission, you know, to take this to the world. But, you know, I, I'm really surprised how many people actually come from tech into food. You know, just just that's that's how it happens. I have, I have, 
Yeah, I have a theory about that. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like that there's people like me who grow, who growing up wanted to make uh, maybe I'm just talking from my own experience, but yeah. growing up and starting to you know go into that world of college and making major life decisions, right? Like, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Um, we decide to chase an industry that's growing, and you know, oh, you know, there's a lot of financial there's more financial reward in our mind or uh safer or something right and you sure. go down that road and it's just after we experienced it for me anyways i experienced it i was like i would rather be struggling at something i love like trying to do for me and in an industry that i've always been passionate about that i didn't 100 percent realize i was but i was more fearful of oh it's a little bit more of a tough road um I feel like that there's a lot of tech people out there that go and work for Salesforce or go and work for these big tech companies and you just become a number in, at a tech company. And you're like, wow, right. I should just be doing what I love and making you know great cookies of great pretzel balls, right? Like that's what we'd sure. actually be doing. And, and, and at one time, maybe from, you know, in, in the old days when having a corporate job was considered somewhat stable, uh, nowadays, right. of course, it's not a job, it's a gig, uh, nobody expects right. that that's going to happen. And it's like, yeah, you know, through through all my, you know, agency owning years, you know, I was fired by enough clients, but nobody ever came in and could tell me, hey, bud, you're done, you know, pick up your stuff and hit the front door. You know, it didn't happen. I never had right. to worry about that. I could always go out and hustle a little more and make things, you know, make things work. But uh, yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of, I think there's a, a lot of good things about, you know, coming over to that. And the other thing is, is you don't, you didn't leave your drive with the tech world. You brought your drive, the sales drive, the growth drive, whatever with you into your business. And I think that also helps people, you know, make more of a success of the, of the business. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything against my, my tech experience because it taught me like, uh, it really taught me front end sales and how to get out there with people and, I had some really cool mentors uh, during my time in in in, in uh, the technology world that I totally did exactly what you said. I, I applied almost what I learned there to starting this company, including you know a feedback loop of really quick you know you know creating a, a minimal viable product and right right it out exactly and bringing it back and it. I mean that's what I did. That's yeah. how I was thinking. I was like, I'm going to create a really basic product, see how it goes. I'm going to take the feedback and make changes like the next set. <laughs> so, so Michael, from, from a, a structure standpoint in terms of sales and stuff as, as founder, are you still the primary salesperson? Do you work with brokers uh, in the industry, you know, food service distributors? How do you stack that up? Yeah. So we, we are, we're just still in the North, the greater Northeast area. Um, I do have, we do work with a couple of food brokers, um, that are independent. Um, they're a great team. Uh, they help us out a ton. Um, we have about three or four of them. Um, and then we do, uh, we do work, uh, haphazardly with a few distributors. Um, and then we do our own deliveries as well. Uh, in the north, in the northeast area, from Philly um, up to New York City. New York City. Okay, great. And um, yeah. are are we going to see an expansion in geography? Maybe in twenty twenty. Oh, you know, we're working on some stuff right now um, that I'm hopeful on for twenty twenty. 
and uh, we'll see we'll see what plays out. Um, but there could be some good expansion, um, you know, throughout the United States. Um, so we're working towards that uh, for this year for sure. Yeah, and I can I can see that with uh, obviously with places where. Uh, we're serving craft beers or whatever, and we need to serve craft pretzels too. It's very important, right? That's that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And uh, there's a lot of uh, people out there wanting something new, um, something different, and something you know. We don't make a traditional pretzel here at Pretzel Man Bakery. We have our own proprietary formulation that we've created over the years. Uh, it's it's got a lot of flavor to it. It's not a simple, you know, we take inspiration from the Bavarian style, from the way my grandparent, my grandfather made a Philadelphia style pretzel, um, yeah. you know, to, to various other ways that pretzels are manufactured throughout the world. We took those, um, took our favorite parts of it, and we created our unique flavor profile, and it's really got more of a robust taste um, than a traditional pretzel. Uh, so people are looking for something uh, a little different and that's exciting for us. And, and of course, we, we live in a world obviously being driven a lot and getting a lot of publicity, of course, of what we call, first of all, it's the, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not get this right, but it's the omni, omni eating where things that we would have considered snacks that would have been reserved for maybe late afternoon or evening are now being consumed in the morning people i mean just there's no there's no rhyme or reason right it's, it's like we're not eating three square meals we're eating maybe two meals and a bunch of other stuff thrown in have you looked at things that would you know maybe bring a, a skew out or whatever that you know it, it would be health related organic gluten-free whatever any anything other than a traditional type of of uh, pretzel product you know, it's funny you bring that up because we were just in conversations recently around uh, a keto-style pretzel. Ah. Um, not sure how we're going <laughs> to go about it 100%, but it's been uh, something to talk about. And we've gotten so many requests for uh, – our pretzel is not a vegan pretzel, obviously with the filling, but um, even without the filling, we, we use um, a, a butter element in our formulation. Sure. Um, We've had a lot of interest in a vegan-filled pretzel. Uh, so that's ah. something else that has definitely been on our radar and in R&D um, to increase those those flavor uh, profiles there. Yeah, and there are some amazing – I was at the Fancy Food Show a little while ago, and, and you know, there are some plant, plant-based plant cheeses and stuff that, in fact, are, are really good. And if you didn't tell me that there wasn't – dairy involved i would i would just eat them you know as normal um so there's a oh, lot with you. I, I, have, I have plenty of friends that have gone down this uh plant plant-based road and i've tried i i love to try new things and, and get out there so i've had a couple of these che- those cheeses as well and i was i was blown away too yeah i think i i say that i'm on a plant-based diet because as far as i know that's what the cows and chickens eat so you know, <laughs> it's in it's in there somewhere. Well, me too. Then, yeah, me exactly. Too, oh yeah, I'm plant based all the way after <laughs> after processing. Good stuff. Well, you know, Michael, really appreciate you uh, spending the time with us today and and sharing sharing the story. It's a great one, and people can can find it. Uh, uh, Pretzel Man Bakery is the uh, it's is it the Pretzel Man Bakery is the website. No, the website is pretzelmanbakery.com. Pretzelman.com. Um, 
Yeah. And you find yeah. out more information. And um, is as a way of of um, sort of closing off things, we usually put people on the spot to try to, if you're sharing with a fellow entrepreneurs, um, we ask for like one word or one topic or one thing that you, you feel would be really helpful for fellow entrepreneurs out there who are, you know, facing the struggle every day. You got anything for us? Yeah, I, I have something that I think that my business partner says to me like all the time. And I, I think I have to start saying it to other people because I've started, I've really taken it in and it's be patient and stay determined. Just, I think patient, the yep. most important thing being, being an entrepreneur is things are going to take time. Don't give up on your vision. Look at the positives that are coming your way because take those positives as a positive in the right direction. Uh, don't don't get ahead of yourself that something didn't happen overnight or in a year. I mean, most overnight stories, as I'm sure everyone reads, actually take seven to ten years to actually happen uh, overnight. So yeah. something I live by that I've really embraced is being, being patient and sticking and being to be, sticking to being determined to my vision and uh, create and surrounding myself with the, the a positive group of people that. Uh, are, are believing in, in the brand and myself. So That's great and very good advice. Thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate it. I had a great time speaking with you. You bet. And thanks, by the way, to everyone out there for joining us here on the Next Level Brands podcast. This podcast brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of courses, workshops, webinars, group, and one-on-one -on -one coaching for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more, you can check out the details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.